of Adventures in DevOps. This is Jeffrey Groman. I'm the founder and principal at Groman Cyber, a cybersecurity services firm. I'm joined by my co-panelist, Charles Wood. And today we have a guest, uh, Phil Wilkins. He is with Capgemini. He's a senior consultant and tech evangelist. And he is also the author of Unified Logging with Fluentd. Hey, Phil, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Awesome. And how are you doing well, today, Chuck? Doing great. After that intro, I'm feeling very evangelized and unified. So, <laughs> Awesome. Hey, you know how your ops team keeps a pile of scripts and wiki documents explaining how to perform those routine and emergency tasks that keep your applications running? They might call them runbooks or playbooks. Our friends at Octopus Deploy were thinking, DevOps is about collaboration, so doesn't it make sense for runbooks to be automated from the same place as deployments? Well, Octopus Deploy is now the first deployment tool with native runbook support. And the best thing is your runbooks can share configuration settings and automation steps with your deployments. So go find out more at octopus.com. Well, you know, just to, I think just to sort of kick us off, you know, I was thinking about logging and I think about logging all the time, being a security guy and logging is just so crucial for so many activities that we do. But, you know, Phil, I've got to tell you, I think most people look at, logging as I was thinking of an of an analogy. I was thinking that I think most people look at it like snow tires. They think about it as, you know, <laughs> I'm not interested. I don't care. Don't tell don't talk to me about owning more tires. Uh, but you start slipping and sliding and getting stuck and all of a sudden you're gonna go buy snow tires. You're gonna put hey. them in your car and you're gonna drive all winter long with your snow tires on. Right. So and you can't live without them. And then you can't live without them <laughs> yeah. afterwards, right? That's it. You never go back. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, how do you evangelize something as just, you know, let's be honest, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. How do you, how do you go it, about that? It, 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 you're right. It's one of those things that everybody looks at as, as oh, it's tedious and I have to, you know, as a developer, having to tidy up my debug trace to make it nice and usable in the future. Uh, yeah. People just, I'll oh, just delete it or I won't bother logging. Um, so it's really about just trying to convey um, some of the benefits uh, and how you can make it a little bit more engaging. And I've, over the years, I've come across a number of really interesting and amusing stories um, where uh, people have been dragged from their beds because something's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's your turn for the pager, man. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And um, actually, if the login was just that little bit better, uh, everybody have realized that whilst there's been a little hiccup, it's not that bad. (laughs) They can wait till the morning. So, and in fact, I've actually, uh, uh, for a previous employer, I ended up um, traveling around the world within a couple of months of. of, joining them because they hadn't got their monitoring and, and their logging uh, sorted out. So I ended up having to go out and um, try and work out why systems were misbehaving uh, and showing people the value of monitoring in general and logging in particular. So uh, it's those stories that uh, you need to try and get people engaged with and the threat that they may be next. Yeah. Yeah, this reminds me a little bit 
Um, we were talking before the call and I mentioned that I worked in the data center or maybe I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody else, Never mind. But I, I worked in the data center when I was in college. And um, yeah, so somebody else, I, I'd be working the night shift in the, in the operation center and we'd get a call from one of the engineers because something w- had gone bad or we'd call them up because something had gone haywire. And yeah, we'd always get the, the training and the training was usually, well, did you look at this log and this log and this log? And then what did they say? And, you know, backtrace it so that we could give them either better information or fix it on our own going forward. And so, yeah, I, I guess I always took for granted that the logs were important. But if if you that's, haven't if you haven't had it save your rear end, yeah, and that's really the first step in actually getting the most out of your logs is, you know, just think about what if you were in someone else's shoes and you had to fix someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you at least just write down the key logs or, or what this error actually means, uh, and you can build that out you know, uh, and, and build out uh, remediation steps and the rest of it if you get to, uh, as you mature and get better at it. But one of the things that um, uh, I focused on and touched on in, in the book was actually the idea that, hey, hang on, you know, in this day and age, we can end up getting swamped with logs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly when you get into environments that are, are, are super or hyperscaled. So what's actually important to me? Uh, and then can I translate detecting a log event and a log record into being a bit more proactive? You know, the, whilst uh, in, in the security world, it's quite often important to be able to do the analytics to go and see what's been going on. Has there been a series of events that is indicative of something malicious being attempted. Uh, in the ops world, sometimes you actually want to be told this little naughty debug message that a developer left in is actually a warning of something about catastrophic about to happen. And if you're told and you've got a bit more proactiveness uh, in the, uh, the way you monitor your logs, you can, oh, right, okay, this is a minor little thing, but actually it's very important and I can remediate or prevent a problem before it becomes a you know, catastrophic because uh, your database has become corrupted or your file system's full up because someone's chucked a huge, great payload through that you weren't expecting. I, I think you, you just sort of hit on, you know, one of the, one of the biggest... I don't want to say deal breakers, but I think it's close. <laughs> Is that you know I think a lot of people look at logging and say, well, you know, it's not it's not just that I turn it on and you know I have some kind of a log aggregation you know system like a Splunk or something like that. But there's all this care and feeding, right? I have to make sure that my logs are normalized and getting in there correctly, and then I got to make sure like I'm not just filling up my log system and having to pay more and more and more to Splunk or to whoever's managing my storage or whatever. And it's like, you know, so now it's become not just, well, let's get those logs turned on and let's go pay for some kind of aggregation system. But now I've got to send, have people, right, managing it. Not, forget the monitoring it. We're just talking about the care and feeding of it. And yeah. um, I, I, I run into a lot of organizations that, like you said, on the security side, I mean, we're, we're pulling in log data from so many different sources that we are filling up um, storage quickly and it becomes very expensive. And that's one of the biggest issues I see you know, with adoption and with just the um, the care and feeding of it is that people just sort of like, it's at some point, it, you know, it, it just becomes overwhelming. And I think that's a huge challenge that people don't really 
they, they don't get it. They don't realize that until they get into it and start realizing, wow, we need to do a lot more care and feeding. And, you know, in, in the security logs, there's a lot of stuff you can turn off and make sure that the stuff you are interested in gets turned on, like, you know, Microsoft system um, logging, for instance. I mean, they'll log every single thing that you couldn't care less about. But in that mix, there's also all the stuff that we really do care deeply about. And you just yeah. have to get the expertise and the people to do that. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll give you a chance to respond to that, but I, I feel like that is such a major headache um, dealing with logs. It, it, it is a, a, a nightmare, and it gets worse when you get into uh, legacy systems that people are terrified of touching. You need to know what it's doing, but nobody's willing to go in and improve or fix logs. So you have yeah. to accept what it churns out and get the inf meaningful information out of that uh, to pass it back. And, and to your point about the volume as well, um, data egress, particularly in a cloud environment, can cost a lot of money. And if you're trying to pump these out fairly rapidly, you're not getting huge amounts of compression and you're throwing a lot of information out. So the egress can actually end up costing you a fortune. So you're using uh, uh, things like uh, FluentD or, or Logstash for that matter uh, as a tool um, allows you to start pruning the, the, the content down to what's important or what you think is important. Uh, and you can start to tease out that. And you've, I work uh, uh, with WebLogic uh, quite a bit. And it regularly reports about itself checking. Well, actually, if it's just saying, I'm happy, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong uh, in the logs, then why don't you just prune that out and just wait until it says, aha, this doesn't look right. Right. That makes sense. I I'm, I want to make this actionable, and that feels fairly actionable. Um, how do you do that? Right? Is is it just a config? Is is there more? I'm not super familiar with FluentD. I'll admit. So, well, both FluentD and OnLogStash have got a, a lot in common. So, um, in in FluentD, it's uh, pretty straightforward. You you uh, define a in a configuration file, one or many sources of, of log information, and that could be uh, uh, quite dynamic. You can connect your um, you know, your logging framework directly to it. A lot of the Java frameworks can talk directly to FluentD without going via any log files, which makes life a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then what you do is you, um, you tell FluentD about the structure if it's unstructured, so it can tease out and, and apply some meaning to, to the log data. Um, and then you just put some expressions in to start filtering it out. And you can say, okay, right, well, I'm looking for a keyword in, say, a log message that's indicative of something significant. I mean, I, I do a, a little demo with it um, where I've got a, a little log simulator that's actually got it, the log messages are all uh, jokes. And I've said, okay, I'm going to just look for the jokes about computers and I'll send those on to my Splunk account. So... Uh, when I run the demo, you can see all the little jokes about computers, but on my console, you can see an awful lot more in terms of jokes because all the other ones are being kicked out. So, yeah, I, I, I like this. So, so you know, focusing, I guess, on, on the, you know, so why do I want it? Why, why do I need it? So I guess if I take a step back and I said, okay, 
you know, if I'm just enabling logging, you know, like this area we we're talking about earlier, whether it's security logging or just infrastructure logging or whatever, like you, you know, I guess the normal state of things is that you just sort of configure your log source, you know, whatever system you're talking about or application, right, to send logs, maybe it's over syslog or something like that, over to, let's say, a Splunk or, you know, a syslog ng or, you know, whatever it is, right? That's, I guess that's the old school sort of simple way to do things. Mm -hmm. um, why Fluent D? Um, and you've already hit on part of it, but I want you to, I'd love to just let you expand on that, elaborate a little bit more and talk about, you know, what are all the benefits of sort of putting this thing called Fluent D in the middle and letting it, you know, so you're talking about filtering. Um, what else are we, you know, what, why else am I doing this? What what am I getting out of it? Why should I care? Again, you know, what what's what's there? You know, what, what's in it for for me to to get a lot of benefit out of it? Yeah, Phil, welcome to our sales call. <laughs> so um, it's a very very good question actually, and it's one that is easily overlooked. Um, in larger organizations, we quite end, uh, we see quite regularly different teams using logging for different jobs. You, you mentioned the security and Splunk. That's quite a common combination. Uh, Splunk has got a very good reputation around supporting the security activities. But other teams might want to do, use other things. Elasticsearch is quite common amongst the developer community. Yep. And they look at doing different things with it, looking at the logs in a different way. Now, you've got a choice here. You can either put uh, the Splunk agent in on every machine and a log stash. Yeah. And if there's another team wanting another aspect of it, maybe the infra guys are looking at your SNMP traps and things like that. They want another different product, and that's another agent. And all of a sudden, you've got 10 agents in your environment um, just trying to gather up logs for different people. That That's complete overkill not to mention the, the actual management and you've got to then monitor 10 different uh, agents <laughs> to make sure the agents are yeah. running and collecting data so so in the idea of unification you can use one tool and what it can do is collect all the different sources and then say okay now i'm going to split this up and send it to the different tools that want the different bits uh, and it, you can either do it very simply and say well this source goes to that destination uh, or you can start getting clever and saying, well, actually, I'm going to bring these four different applications that we're all logging together, and I'm going to filter out once all the security events. So you get a nice steady stream of all the events. And because it, if you're trying to do it uh, in, in close to real time, those events that start feeding through in near real time as well, so you start to see it in time series. Yeah, which means that your your logs will start to show up in your logging tools, um, reflecting what's happening as it happens. But there's other interesting uh, use cases as well. Um, one of the things I, I, I learned many years ago is logging um, or monitoring, should I say, um, and the perspective of monitoring differs on your role. If you're an infra guy, you're very much a metrics how much CPU am I using? How much memory is there? And things like that. If you're an apps, apps dev, uh, then you're probably going to be interested in the apps logs and really don't give a hoot about uh, the OS level logs 
or, or the metrics. And then if you're uh, more at the sort of uh, business end of the spectrum, you're looking at business activity events, you know, which is still quite often manifest themselves as logs. So, uh, you know, it's trying to work through that uh, and understand the value to different people as well. Um, and then we've got the dimension of modern uh, or, or microservice-based world where um, you need very small footprint components, particularly if you're going to deploy them uh, as uh, part of a pod. Uh, and Fluent D uh, and its uh, baby brother, uh, Fluent Bit, are very, very small, tidy footprint components. Uh, so it's easy to actually bundle them up as a sidecar or uh, if you're just containerizing a solution, even putting it into each dedicated container and pushing it out. No, I just I think it's interesting you're mentioning um, sort of the uh, microservice, whether that's, you know, a very small Docker instance or whether that's something that's running on like Azure Functions or AWS Lambda or Google Cloud Platforms uh, version of that. And, and a lot of those environments seem fairly transient to me, right? So, you know, if, if I have to update it, then, you know, AWS goes and does this huge cleanup or a very small cleanup, this is a very small function, and puts a new one in its place. And so if it's logging locally at all, that stuff just goes away. And so, yeah, having something like FluentD or something that can aggregate that and send it to the right place, I really like that approach just from the sense of, hey, I know what was going on five minutes ago, even though the instance that was doing the work isn't there anymore. One thing that I worry about, you mentioned the filtering, though, is how, how do I keep from filtering out stuff that I may realize I cared, care about later? Am I just out of luck on that stuff? Do I have to be clairvoyant or a good guesser or have a lot of experience and just know what these things are? How, how do I know what, what those things are in these different environments? Because I figure it's also going to be different, right? Whether it's on a Docker container or a server in the cloud or a functions setup. Yeah, it's a really challenging uh, problem. Uh, and there isn't a, a really elegant, simple answer because it comes back down to if you don't want, if you're not sure what you want and you therefore go, oh, I'm going to keep everything, you're going to chew up vast amounts of resource. So the approach I, I tend to uh, put forward is to say, look, okay, I'll keep everything very local. So if I've got uh, a, a, a Kubernetes cluster, I might have some local file resource allocated and I'll roll the logs reasonably quickly, but I'll keep everything there so I can go back into it if I really am desperate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anything that I genuinely believe needs to be passed on, I'll just pass on anyway. But I'll only pass what needs to be passed on. So if I don't care if it's going to another cloud service um, or uh, just going down the, uh, yeah, to the next node. Uh, you know, it becomes um, less of a, a, a design problem because you are emitting what you've got to emit regardless. Yeah, and I, I love that idea, too, because I think that, you know, you can always, well, I guess the way I think about it, too, is you always want to look at, you know, you sort of need that human eye to look at those logs and say, what's in them? What do I care about? The only way I know what I care about is if I actually eyeball them 
um, and do some analysis and say, hey, that might be interested once in a while. I, I want to make sure that gets forwarded onto the, you know, to my log aggregation or this stuff. Yeah, probably not, you know, but that can change over time where something seems, you know, meaningless today. The application changes, the use case of how we're using that microservice or whatever it is changes, and all of a sudden that becomes more important later. So if I can jump back into the local system and say, huh, you know what, let's go ahead and you know enable it now because now it is something that's that's more important to us. I, I love that idea. Um, and that's the beauty of, of, of Fluent Data and, and Logstash for that matter, is it, it's completely config driven. So you just can't, you're not changing the application, you're not recomponing, just tweaking the config, pushing it out. And it, if the config is not right, um, then it won't break the situation. Whereas if you're trying to change your, your, your log messages, uh, particularly in a, a brutal legacy system, you could break something or people are going to at least insist on an awful lot more testing before you push a change. One thing I'm curious about, the, you know, we were talking about <clears throat> cloud services a moment ago. Um, so, you know, within my, whatever I'm deploying there, you know, again, maybe I'm doing some some logging within, you know, sort of internally to it. But, um, you know, let's say I'm in the AWS world and I'm also collecting, let's say, you know, uh, what do they call that, cloud Cloud Watch, Cloud, oh, the name is to be my mind. It, yes, AWS is CloudTrail, if I remember. Yeah, yeah CloudTrail. So let's say I've got these CloudTrail logs. Um, can I use FluentD or, or, you know, let's say I want to get those CloudTrail logs into, you know, on-prem for me and, you know, whatever that means. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be really necessarily physically on-prem. Maybe it just means, you know, in another bucket that, I'm using for analysis of you know logs, some some form of log aggregation. Like you said, maybe I have an elk stack in my data center, maybe I have an elk stack in the cloud. Um, how do I what you know, how do you think about like those cloud trail logs um, or whatever similar in other cloud service providers? Uh, so you, one of the beauties of it, particularly a fluent day is, is just the sheer number of adapters at the are out there, both written by the, the core team, but also by uh, the community, to the point where a lot of vendors have started to just write it, write for the adapters, because it's becoming so prevalent. Um, and because the framework allows you to, to do that, there's a, a quite a detailed um, uh, set of uh, uh, libraries uh, and APIs that you can use to build your own custom uh, 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 source or target uh, plugins for, for FluentD. And uh, it means that um, you can then tap into uh, you know, CloudTrail or the Azure or the Oracle equivalents and draw that information out. And if you're in a multi-cloud use case, you may well want to do that because you need, as you say, to perhaps bring it together to a single tool to see the, the holistic picture, particularly if you're running your business part on, you know, one service is on one vendor and you're taking a service from another cloud provider. Uh, you want to bring that together to perhaps understand what's going on overall in, in the picture. You know, is one cloud service causing another one to start to swamp? Well, the only way to do that is to bring the picture together. And yeah, to bring the picture together, do the Splunks and other systems like that do that kind of a thing? So I'm sending data in from, you know, maybe this microservice and this other app and 
you know, some other service on AWS and, you know, and it all kind of gets piled up, maybe even in different piles. Yeah. How, how do you bring it back together so you can get a picture of, okay, what happened when this went wrong? The challenge is, is, you know, if you're using something like FluentD, you can connect to those different sources and just feed it to the one location if you want. Okay. Or, you know, a subset of it into, say, Splunk so that you can do your, your cross-cloud analysis. You know, someone looking at or probing all your uh, subdomains on, the, uh, on your uh, uh, DNS. Uh, and you can see that if you're collecting logs from your different uh, firewalls and web servers across your different uh, services. Um, and, and FluentD, therefore, just goes and picks that you configure it, picks up those events and fires them into one central location. Um, but you can divide that up. You can, add, because you can control the routing of it to one or many locations, you can say, well, I'll do some initial analysis in each cloud. Mm-hmm. And then I'll pass on what's coming out of that that's significant. Again, it, it's another way of chopping down the amount of traffic that's flowing around, um, but still keeping some of the information that's helpful in, in a useful resource. I'm curious, Phil, just, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about, you know, sort of the, the guts of you know, logging and and all that. And, and, it, and, it's, and it just sort of occurred to me that um, clearly you've been around technology for a while, doing a lot of, uh, I imagine, architecture and other things too. What made you, um, you know, I guess, so interested in the topic of FluentD, you know, clearly to, to write a book about it, but, you know, sort of what, what uh, um, I'm, yeah, I'm just curious, like what the backstory is, like what sort of propelled you down that, that path, as opposed to, you know, there's probably a lot of other areas, even within logging and, and, you know, monitoring and everything else, metrics that, you know, it's interesting topics as well. Yeah, FluentD is not the the sexiest of the monitoring tools. You know, you hear a lot more perhaps about Prometheus Mm -hmm. and and the use of Grafana because it's quite nice and visual and Kibana and and tools like that. Mm -hmm. Um, What really took me down um, this route was uh, a couple of painful lessons, I suppose, um, where, you know, I saw and had to deal with a number of issues, um, uh, and the situation was is that the, operationally there were some problems uh, in a in a, a real time environment, um, and when you're 12 hours out of sync with uh, with the team that are uh, supporting things, uh, <laughs> um, they're going off going, oh my god, there's a problem. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to wipe my environment, fire it up clean, uh, and we'll go for, and we'll try and uh, fix the the, the resultant data uh, um, impacts downstream. But that creates an awful lot of noise. Uh, and uh, you know, despite repeatedly saying to them, if you have a problem, the first thing you do is package up at least the logs and fire them over to me so that I can look at them uh, uh, and at least try and start to figure out what might cause the, your problem uh, so we can um, you know, remediate it and, and prevent it occurring again. But you know, having been there uh, repeatedly, it's like you know, people not doing that or forgetting to do it. It's like, okay, we'll just put some automation in there uh, and we'll keep parking the, some of the key log information somewhere where I can go and look at it if they start screaming there's a problem. 
so uh, you you kind of get into into that and it's like okay so that's the the lug unification story and then um whilst my first lessons in, in that kind of world predate uh, fluent d i got into it because i found out when i came across fluent d and sort of started to realize actually uh, just about all the clouds are uh, using this under the skin um, so Google uh, adopted it, I think it was about uh, uh, 2011, 2013, some, somewhere in that time frame, under the hood. And actually, if you look at the other cloud providers, uh, they're all using the same technology. And with that pluggability you know, and extensibility, and it's pretty easy to use, It's it's got a its notation isn't quite standard. It's not YAML, but nor is it uh, bloated XML. But once you've got your head around the, the notation, it's really easy to use, highly configurable, um, and you can do a lot with it. I mean, as I say, I, my little demo that I, I do just to get people's attention of, of this idea of being a bit more proactive, uh, the configuration file runs to about... Um, 15 lines it, it, it's a tiny little config and that and that's a distributed configuration as well so it's um yeah remarkably easy to use um but there isn't huge amounts of information out there lots of people are saying that the, the, they take notice of prometheus and other tools but the fluent d it, it is perhaps a little overlooked and i thought yeah, this is something that I, I think people should know more about. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it. The only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just you need something like that there. And Raygun is awesome at this. They they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick, and it works like a breeze. I, I just, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's going to save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it. Grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at adventuresindevopspodcast.com slash Raygun. So I'm I'm a little curious, you know, you, you write a book about this. Um, maybe you uh, have conversations with people like us periodically. What is the ultimate outcome you want people to get from a conversation about this? Like, what, what do you want them to go and do once we're done talking? You know, I, I go home, I go back to my regular job. Um, you know, maybe I'm doing DevOps or cybersecurity. Yeah. What, what should I be thinking about when I walk away? In the perfect world, where can I buy the book? <laughs> but uh, no, it's in serious terms, is, is to go away and rethink uh, your position uh, uh, about logs, even in 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 a you know a, a, a poor situation, you can get meaning out of it, 
uh, and there are tools to do it. Uh, and it isn't a hugely insurmountable problem. Uh, and, and tools like FluentD are quite easy to set up and at least get you started. Very minimum, you can use it just to go and gather up your logs and, and dump them in uh, Elasticsearch or uh, another uh, um, a big data style repository of text. And you can then just start looking at it and go and seeing what, what can you see in terms of patterns? What can I get that might help me or make my life that little bit easier uh, every day? Mm-hmm. Or better still, for, for a developer, what what means? What can I do to um, leverage logging to make my life easier so I'm not having to do more of the ops? I can focus on the dev side of things. Yeah, that and, and that's that's kind of the what I was driving at is yeah, you know, it's it's unified logging. It's cool technology. It you know it makes your life easier. But yeah. It's okay. Well, I don't want to have to, you know, troubleshoot without knowing what's going on in my system, right? Or, you know, I want to be able to do more of the dev and less of the ops, you know, for the developer. I, I love just the, the ideas behind that because that's the real outcome, right? I mean, I'm, I'll admit, I'm more dev and less ops. And so, yeah, I want to write code. I, I don't want to go troubleshoot the, you know, the system that my stuff's running on because it should just work. And I derive most of my joy out of writing the code. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, okay, I've got a system here that now lets me know what's going on so that I can ignore ops until I, you know, I get an indication that I shouldn't. Exactly. And not only that, the tools teased out the significant information. Mm-hmm. So, so it's awful a lot quicker to start plowing through to try and get to the bottom of whatever's happened. Right. So when my boss comes to me and says, hey, what the heck's going on? Or we're going to hire someone like Jeff because we just figured out that somebody's getting access to our data and that's not good, right? Then then I have a system I can go to instead of going, well, where can I look to get that information in the first place? Exactly. You know where to go look because it's all been pulled together for you. You then just have to start analyzing uh, that information to to get to the root cause, uh, rather than signing into uh, you know you know ignoring it, the world of containers in virtualization, uh, an enterprise scale solution will spread across many many servers, and trying to get the whole picture, you could end up signing into dozens of servers trying mm-hmm. to track an event through. That alone just takes an enormous amount of time and, and can be quite frustrating, particularly if you don't know what the credentials are. You don't have the privileges to look at one log file. Yeah, yep. You can be allowed in and play to your heart's content and mine the logs if, if they're gathered in, into one location. I think the other, you know, the other piece I, I, I think is worth throwing out there too is you know, even taking a step back, um, you know, we've talked about the business a little bit and, and their use of logs or their needs for logs. Um, you know, one story that sticks out of my mind for logging is um, way back when my, my team was called in for an incident where it's for a regional healthcare provider, health insurer. Um, and uh, one of their members realized that, you know, those uh, explanation of benefits um, may not have those filled in, in the UK, but we get those you know, it's basically the way our insurance company says, hey, you went to a doctor or, you know, other health provider and 
you know, they did this, this, and this, and this is what they charged, and this is what the insurance covers, and this is what you're going to have to cover. They call it an EOB or an explanation of benefits, um, which is pretty, you know, sort of um, sensitive information. And one of their, uh, one of the, one of the, the members of this, you know, who, who got insurance through this company realized that um, he didn't have to authenticate and he could pull down these PDF files of these explanations of benefits. And then he realized that all he had to do was increment through the numbering system and he can pull down anybody's. Mm. So the first question that we all were asking was, okay, well, how can we see? Let's go back to the logs and let's see who's been, you know, sort of incrementally going through and, and pulling down um, PDFs. And the big problem was that the PDF part of it was, you know, was one third party provider, soft, you know, software provider that was sort of bolted onto the big application behind the scenes. And there was no unified logging between the two. And so I was thinking about it after the fact. And I was like, well, it was a complete mess and a really difficult situation because we had terrible logging to try and <clears throat> sort of look through and, and try to figure out what happened was. So, you know, to me, the biggest gap there was that nobody from the business ever realized that, wait a second here, we may need to have uh, to go, you know, we may need this, this, we, this may be a use case where we need to go back and say, okay, you know, when were these records accessed? Who were they accessed to? Like who was logged in and who was accessing them? Because um, the access logs were in one place and they were not married to mm-hmm. what user actions were being taken while that session was active. Like none of that was being logged, not in a unified way. And you sort of need, you know, somebody from the business side or somebody who's like thinking about it all the way across, not just what happens if my little piece of the application breaks and, you know, we need to troubleshoot something, but what happened, you know, what do we need to be able to know or go back to what are the different scenarios? And no one ever identified that. And I feel like, um, you know, a big action item is if your business hasn't done that and you don't really know, you know, you're, you know, an app dev, or you're you're an engineer, or you're a security person. No one's ever like thought all that through. You should start thinking that through now before you have something, whether it's a security incident or whether it's just a troubleshooting incident. But you know, getting that clarity of what you might need to go through and what logging you may need, um, you want to you want to do that before you know the 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 the, um, the stuff you know starts to happen around you. Yeah, uh, uh, and the first step in that is quite often just trying to figure out how severe the situation is. You know, if if it's just, you know, a few people, then you can see in the logs it's only like a dozen uh, files that have been pinched. Then the consequences uh, are are perhaps not as severe as uh, if it's been going on for months and months and months. But you don't know that if you're not able to look back at that information. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah, like like Jeff was talking about, I mean, some of it was just just diving through and, okay, we've got this information here and that information there and this other information here, and we're trying to get the whole picture of what's going on. And some of it was even third party, right? Yep. So, so yeah, I, I can just imagine the nightmare. And yeah, if you have all this set up ahead of time, then it's like, well, let's go look and let's walk through what's going on. Yeah, and quite often the, the people that know what information is actually available are the people that build each part. So yep. it becomes quite easy for them to say, oh, okay, I know about this bit uh, and I know these kinds of uh, uh, log events are important. So if, we have, if you have a common standard that says, look, okay, if you think this is important, then firing into 
a central location, uh, it becomes a lot easier then, and and nobody has to necessarily own end to end every aspect of it, because big systems are, you know requires a lot of uh, thinking space to be able to work out you know what's going on, what are the possible sources, end to end, and knowing exactly how it's deployed. Uh, and very few people do have that knowledge. Yeah. So I guess I, I can hear people thinking, okay, so this makes sense. This is something I probably ought to set up at work, you know, or maybe, you know, in my own systems. And then they're thinking, boy, how much work is this going to be? It can get to be quite substantial um, if if you try and inhale and, and solve the entire problem when you've got nothing from the outset. Uh, so the way to do it is just do it incrementally, a little bit at a time, just try and you know demonstrate there's a little bit of value in pulling together certain logs. You know, just focus on perhaps one application that's distributed, pull that together. And once you can see a little bit of benefit and value, because it won't take too much effort to set up, um, you can start to grow it, and adding to to a, a logging unification and log analytics story can be done in a very incremental manner, uh, and it's a, a story of refining and improving. I think uh, continually, um, and of course, if you've got the developers engaged with it, they will um, quite often help you jumpstart the whole process because they'll know what's important. Or, or believe that what's important, and if they're in a DevOps world, they're probably going to really know what's important. Um, but uh, they at least will know uh, what sources are available and um, show you how to connect those sources up. Uh, and the Fluent D model is uh, highly distributed or can be highly distributed. So what you could do is you can set up a node and just say, right, okay, uh, I'll just accept whatever's coming in. I might park it locally until we've developed the rules that say, right, this is significant. I'll send this into my uh, on-prem Splunk instance, but the rest of it I'll just rotate as an aggregated catalog uh, within my cloud environment. Uh, and you can then just improve and refine the rules uh, over time. And that's really how I've done it, is he's not gone big bang uh, and tried to go, look, we've got to monitor absolutely everything now. Yeah, it's an absolute, you know, because we can't, uh, we haven't got any sight of what's going on and we've got a problem. It's a case of, okay, I'm going to just monitor these parts because I think these are probably the most valuable parts of the system. Yeah. And I'm just going to, you know, make the process low profile. Um, and it can do, grab the logs and push them, push the logs out. And setting up FluentD just to trail a few logs is, is once you've got a hang of the syntax, it's minutes worth of work. So yeah, you I was just gonna, keep adding. I was going to say a lot of things that I found figuring out how to do the first one is most of the work. And then after that, it's okay. I know how this goes together. So now I can bolt the next one in and the next one in. This one's a little bit different, but I know that these parts are the same. So I can go figure out the rest and you can kind of move yeah, piece by piece like you're talking about there. 
Yeah, the hard, the hard work comes really comes in trying to get uh, the filtration right and trying to recognise what events are really important to you, and you go from uh, just collecting for for uh, trend analysis and things like that to trying to be proactive. Uh, that's that's the real trick, and that that's a, a story of knowledge more than anything else. Awesome. I, I agree. I love logs. I, that's how I started uh, the conversation too. I, I To me, it's just the most, they're so interesting and there's just such golden nuggets that are, you know, just waiting for you to find them uh, in those log files. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's always the, the famous stories about people putting quite humorous log entries in. So watching for those, just put a simple filter in there for the fun of it when you when you're first playing, to look for for these sort of things is quite entertaining. I found some some interesting ones in uh, uh, in the past, and one or two that uh, are best not repeated. So, what what would you share with us? What what was maybe the most surprising or, or funny that's you know appropriate for uh, for the podcast? Uh, so so I've seen a couple of times people doing uh, when they throw exceptions they log it and go hey, Geronimo or, or something of that variety right. um, and, and people can make some quite funny comments about uh, the that if they're logging the uh, data that they're um, manipulating uh, it can be quite funny you occasionally see the odd joke about the, the payload you know uh, if person equals deceased like yeah uh, here's another for the grave <laughs> right and and things like that which you yeah when you're not expecting it it, 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 it it's uh, quite entertaining right or when you're stressed it's like just unexpected <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it, it lightens the day when you're under pressure do you feel like you've maxed out in your core areas of expertise in programming not sure what to learn next or how that'll help you get to the next stage of your career let me help I'm starting a program to help developers move up in their careers using proven techniques and by starting a podcast in order to advance. Right now, I'm only scheduling calls to see where you're at, where you want to go, and how you can get there. I'm not doing any sales pitches. You can schedule that call at devchat.tv slash next level. All right. Should we transition over to picks? Let's do it. All right. So, Phil, I, I, um, I'm not sure if you... Um, if you caught on to this, but we we try to do you know something that we pick on a you know on a on a session or um, you know, episode by episode basis, uh, something that has sort of caught our attention, something that we're using or playing with now, whether it's something we watched, something we see, something we're playing with, piece of technology, could be anything. Um, a lot of times, I, I'm <clears throat> I love books. Um, I I tend to go you know gravitate that direction. So I'll, I'll start with. Uh, a Patrick Lencioni um, business management book that I read just recently. And I just think it's um, the more I think about it, the more applicable I have found it to be in so many situations. So it's um, his book is about this, this one, he's published several books. Um, This is called silos, politics, and turf wars, I believe. Silos, yeah. um, Politics and turf wars. And it's all about his books are all about their, their business fables. So they just sort of read as a, as a story. Um, but in this one, he is really getting into like 
how do some companies really avoid all those sort of turf wars and silos of, hey, you got to work through that department. That's not me. You got to go over there and it's them and they're the <laughs> ones who are doing it, right? So now I got to go up to my manager, up to their manager, back down to them so that we all can all talk to each other and we have this sort of square going on. Um, and he talks about like, you know, like how do we deal with that? How are how is it that some companies have avoided that? Like really successful companies don't have that kind of just, you know, nonsense uh, going on. And how do they do it? Um, and, uh, you know, I won't spoil it, but I, I think it's a great book. It's a quick read. I mean, you probably read it in a couple of hours, um, but really great insights that, I mean, especially if you're trying to do things in the DevOps world where we're trying to break down silos, it's just so applicable. Oh, yeah. For me at the moment, I suppose with, with people tagging the title evangelist to my to my role in the last couple of years, uh, I recently read a, um, a book published through Pact by a guy that I've had dealings with at Oracle about being a technology evangelist. Uh, and it's really interesting, the insights. He, he basically is a collection of interviews with you know, some really well-known names that are, uh, of people that go out and they present at conferences and talk about technology and things like that. And some of the insights that uh, uh, that uh, the book shared, not only in just presenting and talking about technology, uh, you know, on the conference circuit and things like that, but, you know, how they approach um, their uh, day-to-day activities and break down problems. It was, it was absolutely fascinating reading it, and it was quite good because it was a, uh, um, uh, you know, because it's an interview. Each interview was about 10, 15 pages, and um, you could just take a little bite each time, uh, you know, read one interview and just pick out the people that you perhaps have heard of or know to start with, uh, and then go and look at the the others. Um, and, and that was an absolutely lovely book. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called. Um, I can't quite see it on my bookshelf at the moment, but uh, it, it's it was an absolutely fabulous uh, uh, book, and I'd recommend it to anybody. It's not tied to anyone technology. It's more about the communication and, and, and approaches and mindsets. Uh, to be successful and effective in utilizing it and communication, really. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, get us the title and we'll make sure that we uh, link it up. Um, I'm going to throw in, uh, and yeah, it was funny because uh, I was looking at what I was going to pick and I'm going to pick a book uh, just like everything about everybody else. Um, I just finished uh, Story Brand. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, I can't remember the name of the author. Let me open up Audible. Um, but wow. Um, I've been working through a whole bunch of different ideas and things. And yeah, it was podcast. He's Donald really, Miller. Yes. Yes. Uh, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at it and I'm looking at the, the websites on devchat.tv and, you know, I'm, I'm reworking a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, Jeffrey's kind of been uh, privy to a lot of that because I'm involving the hosts um, more than I have in that because I want, I want the shows to be, you know, things that the hosts enjoy doing, but also things that the audience has some, some say into. And so just going through it and going, okay, you know, this isn't just a, here's some tech, here's some tech, here's some tech, but it's, 
here's this journey that we're going to take you on. Here's the outcome that we're working toward. Here's, here's how we're going to, you know, kind of go together and guide you to what you want and then also guide each other to what we want. And so anyway, I really, really enjoyed it. And it kind of hit me at the right point of time where I was at. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I really enjoyed that one. Um, another one that I read and I kind of went back and forth. Like I, I listened, I listened to it on audible as well. Um, I listened to a chapter and I'd be like, Oh, that was awesome. And I listened to the next, next chapter. And I'm like, he's kind of an idiot. Um, and it's, it's, <laughs> It's Green Lights. It's the memoir by uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I heard and about that. That 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 sounds really interesting. It was he he has an interesting outlook on life, and I mean, you know, he talks about his childhood, and you're going, well, yeah, you know, so you're just gonna approach things differently with with parents like his, but um, yeah, just the way that he kind of. I don't know, like the way he, his epiphanies come to him and things like that and deciding to do this, that, and the other. But it was interesting too, because like, I think it was in like every romantic comedy for like four years. And then um, I didn't, it never, it never occurred to me that he wasn't in the romantic comedies anymore. Cause I'm just like, Oh, you know, well-known actor is in big name movie, but he made a decision that he didn't want to be in the rom-coms anymore and actually was turning down scripts. And, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm just sitting there again, it kind of hit me at the right moment. Okay, you know, how does my journey compare to this? And, you know, I, I was inspired by parts of it. And I really enjoyed those. Uh, some of it, it was, I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I, I do not, don't identify with this at all. But anyway, it was really, really interesting to kind of see a perspective different from mine in some pretty significant ways. And yet at the same time, see that we, kind of settle into some of the same things that are important to both he and I. And so anyway, I, I enjoyed it for, for that and just making me think. So that that's Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Cool. Right. I, I love books. I, I will book, pick books every week if I can. So <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I love this. I mean, it's just, yeah. Whether yeah. you reading them or listen to them. Hey folks, if you want Phil's book, um, go get it. It is unified logging. I'm going to butcher the name. I am so sorry. Um, with fluent D, I guess, I guess. Close. Right. Yep. <laughs> okay. Didn't butcher it. So anyway, uh, we have a coupon code. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, coupon code gets you 35% off anything at Manning, not just his book. So, uh, go pick up Phil's book and then go, go browse through and see what else you want. Um, but yeah, we'll have a link and, uh, discount code in the show notes. And so you can just tap on through, put that in and uh, pick up that discount. Well, great. Well, that uh, I think that's a wrap then for uh, another episode of Adventures in DevOps and uh, look forward to hearing and seeing you guys all the next time around. All right, Max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.